hope you guys are ready. I would give you some counsel this morning. If you're going to daydream, you should start now and stay there. Okay, because I tried to chop this down as small as I could get it. But I have to deal with end times in the birth of the church and everything that's in between. And I have to do it in one message. So I hope you ate good breakfast. And uh, we'll get out of here before we start Romans tonight at 6.30. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come now to look at the framework of the ministry of the church. Father, this amazing thing that has bestowed us, and yet, Father, I know by witness and the testimony of what I've seen in lives, it's either at least taken for granted or it's been never comprehended. Father, I pray for these precious souls that you will speak to them in ways that they never have ever expected. And that, Father, you will use this feeble soul to try to express something that is beyond human expression. Help us, Lord. Help us to see this. In Christ's name, amen. I started out a few weeks ago with the framework of the letter to the church in Ephesus. What is this? And, and, and I've used as many illustrations as I can to show you that it is of a value that is beyond the comprehension of mortal human beings. And there are things in this that um, I, I, I don't have words. When I see the Apostle Paul says he has lavished on us. That we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. When we have the riches according to his riches. I don't know how to express that. I don't know how to explain that. I mean, I can give you the words that Paul says. But I am convinced that the bulk of evangelical Christianity has no clue what this is. Has no clue. And I'm going to give a feeble attempt this day to show you something that is beyond belief. It is perhaps greater than the institution of your salvation. Because your salvation has a purpose. That's what this is. I shared with you last week out of chapter 3, verse 3, that by revelation there is made known to me the mystery... As I wrote before in brief. What was that mystery, Paul? By referring to this, verse 4, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets and the spirits. What is this mystery? To be specific. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And fellow members of the body. And fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus. Through the gospel. 
You know what he's telling you? The Old Testament saints never saw this. Never ever saw this. Not only did they not see it, it was never revealed to them. They never knew this. And it was Paul's job to reveal this mystery. To Paul, the apostle, to the Gentiles, God revealed this very sacred secret that was hidden from the Old Testament saints. And it was hidden from all of them. Every single one of them. I don't care how devout they were. I don't care how godly they were. I don't care how they were used. None of them seen this. When you see this word here, mystery, its definition from the original language is that it is a spiritual truth never before revealed. Okay? It's a truth that God has not revealed. But now we have the New Testament. Charles Spurgeon, I was reading this years and years ago, and it was fascinating to me when I read it. He says the Old Testament... Is like the most eloquent mansion that any imagination could ever understand, design, or believe. That's the Old Testament. He says, the New Testament turns the lights on so you see the awe-inspiring detail. This is a new truth for a new age. Now, you're going to have to hang on. I, I was going to trade all the seats in for some with handles, but I run out of time this week. We know things that people in all the history of God's dealing with man never knew. We have spiritual truth and spiritual resources that they have never had. We are rich. That is the basis of the riches of this letter to the Ephesians. And those riches are now available to all who would believe. There are too many sitting in too many churches today that do not understand this new creation. They do not understand this new era. They do not understand this new age. They do not understand this new truth that has never been known in the past. So, I want to look at this mystery. And you're going to need to hang on. What is this concept that the Apostle Paul is trying to share with us? Well, okay. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Beginning verse 10, there's a question. And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? I shared with you last week that part of the judgment of Jesus Christ for the rejection of him as Messiah was that he began publicly speaking in parables. Okay, A parable is a riddle. 
Okay, and it can have any new number of answers. But until the person who has given you the riddle gives you the answer, then you don't know what it is. The elite religious scholars of the time concluded that the miracles that Jesus Christ was doing was by the power of Satan. From that point on, he realized this is the rejection. And so from then on, the first part of his ministry, he was very public who he was. I am the son of God. And he said it publicly. And he said, look at what I'm doing. And their conclusion was that all that he was doing was by the power of Satan. Brilliant. From that time on, his public ministry was parables. That's the question the disciples posed to him. Jesus answered them, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. Okay? Why was he teaching in parables? He was going to reveal things to his own. You know what? I shared with you that last week that God always keeps his secrets for his people. Always. His righteous ones. Always. He does not make them public. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. If you don't know God, the natural man does not understand the things of God. They are foolishness to him and are discerned by the spirit and natural man does not have the spirit. But they're always revealed to God's people. Always. When Jesus talked, he spoke in a way that his people understood. The believers would understand it. The unbelievers did not because he would speak to them in parables. So the question is, I want to show you some things here. The question is, why the parables? And he says, to you has been granted what? Look at it close. Look at it close. Remember, mystery is something that is hidden that God reveals to his people. Right? Drop down to verse 35, the end of the uh, in the same chapter 13. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since when? Since when? They have been hidden. Since the foundations of the earth. You know what that means? Not one Old Testament saint knew this. Not one. Okay. What is it he wants to share with them? Well, it's these mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that have been secret since the foundation of the earth. 
Guess what, brothers and sisters? They are now revealed in your age. They have been hidden since the foundations. Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them. Now, are you getting any kind of thing out of this? Do you realize that we know things that no Old Testament saint, no matter how devoted they were, no matter how godly they were, they never got this information that you have and I have. What a spiritual resource. What a spiritual treasure. This, this is divine reality. Simply because we are in Christ, in His church. Do you realize the amazement of the age of your existences? God's revelations to you is now complete. It is full. It is finished. There is nothing else needed. Okay, now I want you to think about something because there's something that we miss in this text out of Matthew's gospel. We live in this time that it be granted to us. The kingdoms of heaven. But I want you to look at the way Jesus phrased it. There's something very intense right there. You know what it is? The plurality of the word mysteries. The mystery form of God's kingdom that has never been revealed since the foundations of the earth. Now, when you first read through this, you're like, wait a minute. In the Old Testament, there is no mystery of the kingdom of God. Everybody said it is coming. Everyone is expecting Messiah, which is the Hebrew word for anointed. We call him the Christ, which is the Greek word for anointed. Listen, you can go all the way back to Genesis 49. And it says the scepter will be in the hand of one from Judah. You will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. They knew a king was coming. They knew a kingdom was coming. Every Jew expected it. There's no mystery about a kingdom of heaven. They knew it was coming. They believed it was coming. They were waiting for it to come. When John the Baptist came out of the wilderness, what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus preached, repent, the kingdom is at hand. Okay? So that's clear? Alright. Jesus offered Israel a kingdom. He was a king who was born to the line of David. 
The wise men from Persia came and acknowledged he was what? King of the Jews. Pilate confirmed it. You are a king? Every Jew understood this. So what in the world is the mystery? What is the mystery? Okay, the mystery is not that the king would come. The mystery is not that the king would bring his kingdom. The mystery is what happened when they reject the kingdom. Jesus, 33 years on this earth. And when the final verdict was in on his 33 years, born a king of the line of David, affirmed by independent resources that he was king. What was their final verdict? I will tell you. Quote, We will not have this man to reign over us. Unquote. So, they rejected the king. Upon rejection of the king, what happens? You forfeit the kingdom. So what did God do when they rejected? Easy. What any true God would do. He postponed the kingdom. Listen, Christ Jesus came here as a king. Christ Jesus came here as a king with a kingdom. They rejected his rule. He postponed the kingdom. Now listen, this isn't like, oh my God, they've rejected me. What do I do? This was already told about. Isaiah told us about it. The writers of Psalms told us about it. Joel told us about it. Everybody knew that there was some. Daniel said that he would be cut off. What does that mean? He would be killed. Well, how do you rule forever if somebody kills you? They forfeited the kingdom. God postponed it. So, if you want to be true to what Scripture teaches, then you have to believe that Jesus Christ's kingdom is future. Okay? Future. As I have studied Scripture, and many have studied before me, But I believe Jesus will return. After seven years of great earthly tribulation. And he will set up an earthly kingdom. I mean, just like you would expect a kingdom to be. He's going to have a throne. He's going to have a palace. He's going to have a temple. He's going to have all that stuff. And you know where it's going to be? In Jerusalem. Not the new Jerusalem. The old Jerusalem. The one you and I know of. That's where it's going to be. And it will be there for what? 1,000 years. We call this the millennial kingdom. That calls people who would believe that are called premillennialists. They believe in a literal 1,000 year earthly reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? I believe that. I believe that absolutely. 
all millennial, don't believe that. They will inject that that terminology in the book of Revelations is an analogy. They do not believe in a literal earthly kingdom. I believe that God promises to Israel will be fulfilled as he said. After the 70th week of Daniel, he will set up his kingdom. Amen. Amen. And that seven years that you call the great tribulations or the three and a half years, which is called Jacob's travail, the last three and a half. That is God going back and dealing with the people who rejected his son. And it's all taken care of in that seven years. And he sets up his throne in Jerusalem after the seven years. I believe God's promises to Israel are eternal. I believe God's promises that have not been fulfilled will be fulfilled. He will set up a literal earthly kingdom in the lineage of David in the city of David. Jesus will rule as king. Christ came as a king and he will rule his kingdom as a king. But that kingdom has been postponed. Because we will not have this man rule over us. So, what do we have right now? We're in the middle. Steelers will. Stuck in the middle with you. I know, why does he know that? But anyway... This thing in the middle was never seen nor shown to the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints and even part of the New Testament, the early part, they never saw the gap. Remember, his disciples wanted the right and the left hand of his kingdom, right? They thought he was here right now to do what? Set up the eternal kingdom of David. Again, I want you to look at something. If this has never been seen, okay, no one saw this gap. Okay? That was never seen. It was never described. It was never defined. You can't see it. It's not in there. It doesn't say, oh, oh by the way, I'm going to have this gap. Then if you have never seen this, and you never understood this, this has never been revealed to this, then guess what? That means in that gap, there is going to be a plethora of mysteries. Because this has never, ever, ever been seen or discerned throughout the time of God's dealing with man. If this whole period was unknown, this gap, then things that occur in that period are also what? Unknown. A time never seen in the history and it was never revealed since the foundations 
of the earth. There are no definitions of this age in the Old Testament. There are no descriptions of this age in the Old Testament. No time do you see where the Jew and the Gentile are seen in the ecclesias. Ecclesias is the Greek word for the called out ones. We call it the church. Nor do you see that Jew and Gentile would be one. One. No time when God would set aside Israel and God would call upon a Gentile people for his very name. It's not in there. It's never been revealed. It's not seen. A Gentile redemption, a Gentile conversion in the kingdom. Listen, you'll see Gentile conversions in the Old Testament. But they don't have one place in the temple. They're not allowed to ever enter into the Holy of Holies. But never is there a time when God would call the Gentiles to be his people. Israel, that's why they're mad at him now. They have the audacity to say they're God's chosen people. That's why nobody likes them. Even their relatives don't like them. The church age. Those people in the church age united with Israel in one body in Christ. This is the mystery. It had never been revealed. Nor understood. It was never known. The mystery kingdom. Okay, so all of a sudden your brain, if you're like me, starts firing off some weird questions. Okay. In what sense is this thing a kingdom? Look around. How in the heck is this thing a kingdom? Listen, the king is in heaven. And there's still a kingdom? Right now? Well, for those who would have that thought, I would say what Jesus would say. Have you not read Colossians 1? When you were saved, you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is a kingdom? How can it be? I have read. I have read. And it says in my Bible, the New Testament... The prince of the power of the air rules the world. I look around and say, Amen. You get no argument out of who's ruling this world right now. In the future, okay, I'll go with that. There'll be a thousand year reign, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Jesus will be on the throne of David, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
But who rules here on earth right now? In the thousand-year kingdom, who rules? Jesus. Guess what? And there's peace globally. Globally. But there's this time that's in the middle. What is up with that? How in the heck do you call this a kingdom? This mystery. All right, the mystery is, is, is as simple as I'm going to make it right now. We'll get into it as we go through this book more and more. Right now on the planet Earth, the Lord Jesus Christ does not reign externally. Agree? If you don't believe me, turn CNN on. All right? But you know what? He does. Reign and rule in the hearts of his people internally. Now, now think about that for a second. Where's he at? He's in heaven. The right hand of the Father doing the John 17 thing. He's interceding for his foolish children. Okay, that's what he's doing. But it says, you will be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. That is not a process. It's not a future event. It says, you are saved. When did it happen? At the moment of your salvation, which was pre-planned before the foundations of the earth. Your head hurt yet? Now, I want you to think about something for a second. I told, I made a statement last week, and I didn't get any replies to it. I knew I wouldn't because everybody's like, nah, he sounded like he really meant it. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to. There's nothing in existence right now that means more to me than the bride of Christ. Period. Okay, now here's the reason. Go look at the millennial kingdom in the book of Revelations. It's kind of a cool place. There's no sorrow. Child can play with venomous snakes. The lion and the lamb, they lay down together. It's, you know, I don't know. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Okay. It's, it looks like an awesome place. There's peace. There's coming and going from the temple of God in the house of David in Jerusalem. And everybody's happy globally all over the world. There's no feast, there's no famine, everything is there. It's copacetic. There's peace, flourishing, blessing to every man, woman, and child for a thousand years. Because of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and he who was on the throne. Right? Now I want you to wrap your heads. Okay, have a hold of both sides of your seats. And I want you to wrap your heads on this one. The very thing that happens externally in the millennial kingdoms happens internally in the present form of this mystery of the kingdom of heaven. I didn't hear one amen out of that. Hmm. 
Let me ask you a question. Will Christ rule and reign externally? On his throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Where does he reign and rule right now? In our hearts. Thousand year in the kingdom, there will be peace. In the heart of a believer, is there peace? In the kingdom of Christ, there will be salvation for that thousand years. It's already in our lives now. In the kingdom, there will be joy, happiness, blessing, and everything will flourish. How about now? There is a qualifier in the life of an obedient believer. What is external in the millennial kingdom is internal in the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Heard one writer call it pre-fulfillment. Pre-fulfillment. And I was like, you, you sit around and think too much. You know what it means to me? Why do I say there's nothing on the planet in existence that means more to me than the church you know why I say that? Listen, I said that before I ever became a pastor, before I ever became an elder. You know why I say that? Because that is the taste of the eternal reign of Jesus Christ. And what in your life can be more important than that? I don't know about you guys. That freaks me out. I mean, I'm just sitting there going, wow. It's like now. Let me give you another text. Book of Acts. Chapter 2. This is when the church was born. Beginning in verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, this is to be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But as it was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days... God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will grant wonders in the sky above. And the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He quotes 
Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32. He is saying that which is prophesied for the eternal kingdom has come to pass internally. Pre-fulfillment, or as I would call it, a taste. It is a preliminary fulfillment in a mystery form. It is a taste of what will ultimately come in Jesus Christ's 1,000 year earthly kingdom. Do you understand that we, you and I, exist in a secret, so sacred age that the Old Testament never saw it? It was never revealed to them? Think about the text that you're looking at in Exodus when it says, Moses looked at him face to face. And then I want you to compare that to what you have right now as a taste of the coming millennial kingdom. You have it now. The riches of glory have been lavished. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been granted unto you. And it hasn't been given to them. The mystery form of the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Right now. Has been granted to you. Every one of us. Every one of us who believe. It is now. You can taste in the pre-fulfillment of what Jesus Christ's earthly kingdom will be like. And you may have it now. The key to this mystery is that God will take Jew and Gentile. He will make them one and make them one body. What a great secret. That's the great secret. We are one body in Christ Jesus. We don't make it. We don't design it. We don't manipulate it. We are it. Okay. Now then. The mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Within this mystery kingdom. There are many other mysteries. Because this time frame between the 69th week of Daniel. And the 70th week of Daniel. No one knew about. And you know what? The New Testament is loaded with the information that's going to happen in this time frame. And for such a time as this, each and every one of you have been granted access to it. Why do I go to church? There are people who have gifts that what? Show me more of what Christ's millennial kingdom looks like. What his kingdom tastes like. What his kingdom smells like. What his kingdom feels like. What his kingdom does. Why would I forsake that? 
Charles Spurgeon made a statement. He said, the greatest thing that should ever happen to a Christian is the moment of his salvation. When he steps into glory, it should be no big deal. I've been walking that way for my life. And the greatest event in a Christian's life should be that moment of salvation. And from then on, the desire is that kingdom. And it should be in a passion. And that should rock our universes. And yet, look around. Let it be our passions, brothers and sisters. Let it be our passions. I want to walk into the millennial kingdom and it not be that big of an event. Yeah, this is exactly what I thought it would look like. This is exactly what I thought it would feel like. This is exactly what I thought it would smell like. And look, the people are exactly what I thought they'd be like. Yes! Because all you're doing is preparing to spend eternity with Him. That's what you're doing right now. That's why you have the letter to the Ephesians. This is what you possess. Take that in the first three chapters, and then you look at the last three chapters. That's a piece of cake. Give me a break. Look what I've got for resources. Amen. What an adventure we have understanding the ministry of the church. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, uh, for your love for us in such a way that you gave us access to these great mysteries. Father, may we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. May we be overwhelmed at the riches that you have lavishly bestowed upon your people. Father, may your church awaken, throw aside these childish things. And Father, understand the resources of the millennial kingdom are in our possession now. Father, may we be found faithful, walking worthy, utilizing the good works that you predetermined for each of our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us to hear you. Help us to see you. Help us to love you more. In Christ's name, amen.